0: If you have a Bible today, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And if you are watching live online or live later, we want to welcome you in the name of Jesus. Again, if you're watching, I've got some great things to say today, but the most important thing I could ever say to anybody watching in the room or online is God loves you. For God so loved you, He gave His only begotten Son. But whosoever, and you're a whosoever, whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And again, I just say that really quickly uh, for the sake of the video. You, a church cannot save you. You can't be saved by being Catholic, Protestant, this religion, that religion. You need a relationship with the Savior. You need to call on the name of the Lord. And if you're watching this today and you're not even sure if God is real if he exists. You don't need to have an intellectual argument about that. What you need to do is get on your knees and say, God, if you are real, show me. And I promise you, he will do that. He did it for me, and he'll do it for, he does it for countless millions all over the world every day. Hallelujah. Come on, do you know every day right now on planet earth, God is breaking into people's lives. You know, one of of the most amazing ways in the Muslim world God is breaking in is through dreams. It's like literally God will break into somebody's dreams and say, I am Jesus. Hallelujah. He is the way, the truth, the life. Come on, have you found 1 Corinthians 12? Let's begin there. We began a couple of weeks ago talking about life in the spirit. Say life in the spirit. Or the spirit-filled life. And I I believe the spirit-filled life is the only life we can ever live as a Christian. <laughs> At times I hear people say, well, you know, we're a spirit-filled church, and there are some churches that aren't, the Bible-believing churches. I say that with great love, but if you tell me you're Bible-believing, then you're, you need to be spirit-filled. Because that very Bible we say that we believe commands us to be full of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you what God wants to do on the earth, what God's always wanted to do, but what I believe we're going to see God do in our lives in these last days, uh, like the prophet Zechariah said, it won't be by might, it won't be by power, it won't be by technology, it won't be by talent, it won't be by gifted communicators, it won't be by programs, it won't be by money. It won't be by a committee or by organization. It'll be by my spirit, says the Lord. And we need the Holy Spirit. Come on, come on. I'm an American. I love America, but let me just challenge you a little bit. One of the challenges in a nation like America is things are easy-ish for the church. And there are, like from somebody who grew up in Europe, there are lots more Christians here, and we do have some money, and we can do things, and we can organize, and I'm not against that. I love that. I was just sitting there during worship being thankful for this church, for this people, for this building, for the freedoms we have here in America, for all those things, and yet at times we end up leaning on those things rather than leaning on God. And again, I don't think we need to, let's get rid of the building and go and. It's cold out there. I'm thankful for a heating system. Why did nobody say amen? (laughs) But it's so vital we don't rely on what we can do. Can I say, beloved, I think the world has seen what we can do, and they're not terribly impressed. I think America has seen what the church in America can do. And I think a lot of the, you know, half this country kind of looks and goes, well, that's great. You guys want to meet in your funny building on a Sunday, and we're not against you. We'll give you a little tax break, but don't bring it out in public. Don't bring it near me. I think they've seen what we can do with our wisdom, our power, our abilities, and they're not terribly impressed. And I think in the last days, God's going to show the world what, what he can do. And and again, it's sort of as he's saying to us, get out of the way and let me be my glorious, extravagant, powerful self. Not by might, not by power, by my spirit, says the Lord. And I want to challenge you that we are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not an option. It's not a style. It's not a, it's not, you know, some people think modern, cool worship and, you know, mean just spirit filled. It doesn't. You can be spirit-filled and be Amish. Hallelujah. Actually, God is moving in incredible ways, you know, amongst the Amish, the Mennonite people, incredible. He's moving everywhere. He's moving everywhere. Everywhere there are hungry people. And again, I, I say that lovingly about America, but there's, I think America is actually one of the few nations where there's still quite a large traditional sort of evangelical community that pushes back on what the bible says about the work of the holy spirit and and i thank god that's changing it's changing quickly but there are still churches there are still churches not too far from here who would say well we believe in jesus but this holy spirit stuff is a little weird and a little dangerous let's be respectable can I say, guys, there's nothing more respectable than believing the Bible. And I, I again, I'm not against anything. I think God, is, God will move whenever we give him any, any chance whatsoever to move. And I, I think he's calling all churches not to believe that they have the truth, but to believe that Jesus is the truth and to be willing to go back and and look at our traditions, our doctrines, the things we've inherited in the light of Scripture. It's not enough to say, "Well, I'm Baptist, or I'm Methodist, or I'm Pentecostal, or whatever." I want to be a Jesus person. I want to. Be, I've decided to follow Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus all the days of my life. And I think what a lot of churches do when it when it comes to things like the Holy Spirit and supernatural. Today I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. I've known many friends who've been in those kind of churches. Why do they reject that? Can I tell you, it's not usually because of doctrine. If you left a guy alone on a desert island for 10 years with a Bible, I don't think there's anybody who'd come off that island and say, I believe those things passed away. Come on, real quick. I met Jesus on July the 14th, 1984, at a Billy Graham crusade. God, that was great. It was a Wednesday. I met Jesus. I knew I was born again. And that Saturday, like three days later, my family, I went on vacation on holiday, we'd say, in England with my family, for, to a caravan, a trailer in Wales. It's what Brits do. It rained nonstop. It's what Brits do. <laughs> And I'm a brand new Christian. I haven't, I'd I'd been in church, but I'd never been in church as a born again Christian. It was just always, you know, the blinkers. I'd met Jesus. And I spent two weeks devouring my Bible for the first, do you know you read the Bible with different, through a different lens when you know the author. When you've met the guy, the one, he's not a guy, you met the one who wrote the book, you read it in a different way. And for 2 weeks as a 14 year old I read through Matthew Mark Luke John Acts I couldn't wait to go to church because I knew it was going to look exactly like it did in the book of Acts. Yeah. And 2 weeks later I got to go to my very first church meeting. It was wonderful. Met many great people. I saw met ma- I got many handshakes and but part of me was going, was looking at the book of Acts, and then I'd look at the church and look at the book of Acts and go, when do we do this stuff? When do we do the supernatural? And again, let, let me say this, because I, I just want to be honest about that. There's a, there's a place in all of us, especially when we become respectable. I think we I think we Brits invented respectable, Actually. It's like God, can I say that? God is is holy, but he's not respectable. He doesn't care a hoot about your respectability. And I think there's a part of us that want God on our own terms. I remember once being at Belfast in Ireland years ago, and this lovely uh, minister came to see me. He said, I'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'd like the gift of tongues, but I want it respectable. He said, I have a position in this community. Some of my congregants are here. And he said, I, I, want, I need to receive this gift in a way that is in fitting with my, my standing in the community. I, OK. He's like, yeah, OK. No problem. Pray for this guy. I think the Lord just knocked him to the floor, bam, burst out speaking in tongues, shaking his ties around his neck. and I? I, I just, you know. Come on. I'm not saying that he has to look like that. I'm saying God, don't don't put God in your box and tell him what he has to do. And I think at times the Lord just—he loves us, but I think he's got a sense of humor, and I think at times he doesn't do things that we think are respectable. And I, I think we've got to, again, I'm, I'm all for being respect. I'm very respectable. <laughs> but don't, don't make that an idol that you bow down before. Amen. I know there's many times in my life where I've, I've seen God do something, and I'm about to go judging it, and it's like the Lord says, just leave it alone. Just, just let me do what I'm doing. Judge it. Absolutely, should we judge things? Yes, we should. By the fruit that they produce in somebody's life. If you came forward today and you're falling on the floor and laughing at great. I don't judge, I don't go, that's God or that's not God. I go, how are you different in two weeks' time? How has it changed you and marked you and made you a different person? You see people like Zacchaeus who had an encounter with Jesus. Yeah. It wasn't about the encounter, it was about the repentance. He gave all the money back. He said, From this moment, I'm gonna walk in your ways. I think the Lord, the Lord wants us to be spirit-filled believers. It's not an option. It's not an additional extra. It's not a little bit of tinsel we hang on our Christianity. It's the engine. It's the core of everything we do. And what I, what I want to do with you guys today, I want to speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because I believe God wants all of us to have all of these gifts flowing in and flowing through our lives. And I love them. They're wonderful. They're a little weird at times, but that's okay. I think there's a supernatural toolkit that God has made available to every believer that we need in the church today. You know, for the sake of time, I won't go through all the scriptures that talk about this. I'm going to stay in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. That's enough. But you see, you see, Jesus talking about this again and again. Mark 16, go into the world, preach the gospel to every creature. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak in tongues, they'll lay hands on the sick, they take up any deadly thing. You see, Paul in Romans 15, he says, I went from Icurnian to a place I can never pronounce. And he says, I fully preach. Say, fully preached. He says, i fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then Paul says, you read it, Romans 15, with signs and wonders and gifts of the Spirit, I brought the Gentiles to obedience to the gospel. Do you know, we can't have, thank God for lentil soup. But it's not enough to reach the world. Or chicken. I like chicken. But we're not going to save, you know, a a godless generation. And by and large, we're living here in America right now with, there, there are people, there are Gen Z teenagers now whose parents and grandparents have never heard the gospel once. There are people who even the Christmas story, just any like small part of the gospel who Jesus is has just flown over their head. We're living in a generation where some, some teaching on gender studies and, and trans this and whatever is more taught than who God is. We can complain about that and, you know, I, I get it. But my point is that's the, the mission field to which God has called us. And gathering around with Christians and grumbling about the world in which we live, God says go out there and love them. Not love them if you agree with them, really love them and let them know they are loved by God. I mean, everybody's loved by God. There's no them, we are the them. But let's go and love people, but let's have God's power in our life. Mm, Come on, I tell you, we need the gifts of the Spirit. Come on, let me read in 1 Corinthians 12. I want to begin here. Yeah. There are many places that talk about the gifts, but primarily 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is all about the gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lists the gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, he talks all about how to move in the gifts. You know, love is patient, love is kind. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. If you've ever been to a wedding and you've heard somebody read 1 Corinthians 13, that passage is about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, if I have faith to move mountains, but have no love, it profits me nothing. If I can prophesy, but have not love, it profits me nothing. It, it's about the gifts, but how we operate the gifts. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, it's literally like we get to visit a, a church in the, the early church. And Paul gives some guidance, some instructions, some principles on how to move in these gifts. But let's read a couple of passages here. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. says, now concerning spiritual gifts. Let me just pause there. I have a new King James Bible. I, you don't have to have one, but I would recommend it. And uh, in my Bible, the word gifts is italicized. It's in italics. If anybody else sees that, the King James would have the same... Um, When you see in certain Bible verses a word in italics, it's there because actually that word wasn't there in the original. It's there at the discretion of the translators to make the text more understandable and flow. You say, Graham, they're adding to the Bible. Yeah, but that's, it's a linguistic tool. It, It doesn't mean it's wrong, but it means actually that word gifts wasn't there in the original. If you literally wanted to read what the Greek text would say, literally, it, would, it wouldn't completely make sense, but it would say, concerning spirituals, I would not have you ignorant. Now, I don't mind. I'm going to use the word gifts for the rest of my life. That's okay. But I, I tell you, just a little thought. At times, we've heard the word gifts, and we've misunderstood what these things are. We've looked at it as if God comes, and he gives each person one Here's your gift this is your gift. And then God comes and gives somebody else another gift. And in in a sense, (laughs) I I want you to see this. When Paul talks about these gifts, he's talking really more about manifestations of the Holy Spirit. What he's actually saying is when the people of God gather together, Holy Spirit in you is going to show up in this way. He's going to give one person you know, a a word, another person, a a gift of healing, another person, maybe a word of knowledge. He's not saying you own that gift. I don't own the gift of prophecy. I don't own the gift of word of knowledge. I don't own any, I own a motorcycle, but I don't own any gift. We have the person who's the source of those gifts living on the inside of us. And we shouldn't look at these as personal possessions that we can turn God on and off anytime we will. Rather, we want to submit ourselves in worship before Him and let Him flow through us. But He says, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Hmm. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be ignorant. Can I lovingly suggest that all over. I feel like I'm picking on America. All over the world, there are churches who are ignorant of these gifts. There are people who have been to seminary and Bible school who are ignorant of these gifts. And Paul is writing, and he's saying, guys, don't be ignorant about these things. Let's carry on reading. He says that you were once Gentiles, carried away by dumb idols, however you were led Therefore, I make known to you that nobody speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and nobody can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. Now, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. But the one and same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Hallelujah. So come on, I want to talk about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit today. Is that okay? And then I, I, we'd love to pray for everybody at the end who'd like that because I think you can catch these gifts. You say, show me that in the Bible. <laughs> Paul said in Romans 1, I long to visit you in Rome that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Hallelujah. So what are these spiritual gifts? The are supernatural gifts. They're not natural talents. They're not things we learn. They're not things you go on YouTube and learn how to do. They're supernatural anointings of God that come on us and in us. And it's like God showing up through us, not for us, but for the benefit of everybody else. And I think we need more of the gifts of the Spirit in our own personal life. I think we need more of it in the church And most of all, we need more of it in the world. God loves to show up and show people that he's real. He loves to break through. It's amazing how one supernatural thing can just break through somebody's unbelief and their culture. Mm. I was in uh, Belgium once years ago preaching in a a town called Verviers right on the eastern side of Belgium near the border under Maastricht in Holland, that area. And uh, I arrived, I'm speaking in a little storefront church in a Muslim area of the town, and I've got a young man called Sebastian uh, with me in my car. We arrive early. We arrive about 4.30, and the meeting is about 7, and the church is closed, and we're in this road that's just full of this one little storefront church and about three mosques and kebab stores and you know, halal, like a pizzeries, all these little things. And we're sitting in my car in the pouring rain, looking at the closed church. But right opposite the church was this cafe, this bar. And as I'm sitting in my car, you know, pouring with rain, we keep looking and see all these Muslim men walk into the bar. Hmm. So after about half an hour, I said to my friend Seb, should we have some fun? And he's like, no. I said, come on. So we, we left the car in the rain, walked into the Muslim bar. Now, if you're a good Muslim, you're supposed to not drink, but I don't know, there's lots of things you're not supposed to do. And we walked into this bar that was, it was about 90% men. There were probably about 30 or 40 men in this bar. As soon as we walked in, everybody stopped and stirred at us or glared at us. It wasn't very welcoming. It was like, what are you doing here? And we went and we sat down at the bar in this cafe. And we ordered, a, I think, a couple of coffees or something like that, and uh, this lady served us, and again, she really wasn't very welcome, and she kind of banged the coffee down, it spilled, And am like, money, and we drank our coffee. As soon as we'd finished, she pulled the cups away, and she said, do you want anything else? And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I said, yes, I, could I have a glass? She said, what do you want in the glass? I said, a spoon. She's looking at me really strange. She brings me an empty glass with a spoon, and I just hold this glass. And go ding, 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 ding. The whole bar stops. And then I, I say in French, hey, we are, I'm a minister of the gospel. We'll be preaching the gospel in the church right opposite, and I want to invite you all to come to church tonight and hear about Jesus. It went down really well. <laughs> and... Uh, this, this great big guy, I, in my memory, he was like about six foot seven, maybe a little shorter, but uh, this great big guy came to me uh, sitting at the bar, you know, with a big bee, and he's like towering, and he puts his big finger in my chest, and he says, on a musulman which means we're Muslims in French, and straight away, it was like, when he poked me, this thing popped out of me. I didn't think, remember Jesus said, take no thought what you will say in that day. It, this guy's like, we're Muslims. And it just popped out of me. I said, brilliant, Jesus loves Muslims. <laughs> and something just hit this guy. And he's like, yeah, of course, Jesus loves Muslims. This guy's like, it's like I've hit, I've hit him. He's like, he's like, yeah, that makes sense. Jesus does love Muslims. And suddenly I felt this pain in my knee. Now, again, if you're, you know, we should learn to pay attention to what we feel. I've trained myself not to go, oh, I must be getting old, hee, <laughs> hee, oh, we're all getting old. I was like, okay, God's speaking to me. And I said to this man, do you have a pain in your knees? He's like, yes. I think when you got to, uh, we didn't even bother asking him. We're like, Jesus, get him. <laughs> God heals the guy with the knee. And then the guy turns and with this, this big commanding voice, anybody sick, come here now. These men will pray for you and Jesus will heal you. Okay, this, this is really a true story. We, we sat there praying for people in a cafe for half an hour. I apologize if there's any Baptists here, but everybody we prayed for bought us a beer. <laughs> now I've got to preach in about an hour's time. And these beers are like lining up on the bar and we're, we're ministering and another beer. and we, I think we drank one to be polite. Then we, we gave the beer away. I, whatever. <laughs> Do you know? I think something like four people came to the church that, that night and gave their lives to Jesus. Come on, we've got a supernatural God. And I, I want you to, th- you know, it's good to study these gifts. I'll go through them quickly and explain what each of them are. But like they, as they say in Scotland, it's better felt than told. And you can't explain everything with God. You can understand some principles, and I'll give you a few before we close today. But we should be hungry for these things. How do you move in the gifts? I mean, step number one, I think the Lord loves it when we'll come before him with humility, amen, but with hunger as well, saying, Lord, I desire to see these things in my life. Now, is it possible to want these things out of pride and make ourselves look good? Of course it is. But the answer to pride isn't to say, well, I just, I'll leave these things for somebody else. I'm a little nobody. The answer is to be greedy for them, to want them, but then to give God all the glory. Yeah, don't ever think you're being humble by saying, oh, "I just take a pass on these things. I just want to be humble before the Lord." You know, if you're going to walk in the power of God, you're going to be hum- you're going to be humbled anyway. <laughs> That's part of the deal. So let's not buy into some false religious humility let's be hungry for God hungry to learn but let's give him all the glory so Paul in this passage lists nine gifts of the Holy Spirit let me go through them quickly number one a word of wisdom can I just suggest to you when when I was in that place and that guy came and said we're Muslims I look at me suddenly saying Jesus loves Muslims like a word of wisdom. It was the right word at the right time to unlock the right situation. If I'd sat there thinking, what's a really good answer to a Muslim? I would have ran out of there. I would have tried to have some argument about who Muhammad was and who Jesus was and the relevant, you know. God didn't want, God knew what he needed in that time. When the Pharisees came to get Jesus, should we pay taxes or not pay taxes? It's like we've got you either way. What did Jesus say? Render to Caesar, thou which is Caesar. And you can see the Pharisees go, huh? A word of wisdom? Come on, Holy Spirit's the wisest person in the universe. Now, I think we all have a natural wisdom that we can develop, hopefully, as we grow in the world and we learn from our lessons. Turn to your neighbor and go, (laughs) huh? But there is a supernatural wisdom that is available to us. That Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit has the right word for any situation. Hallelujah. Once I was in Kenya years ago with about five friends, and we're in Kasumu Airport when suddenly the president of Kenya came in with like 20 bodyguards around him. And we're all we're all standing back, and there with a few missionaries, we're going, wow, the president. And we were with this little lady called Delene. She's gone to be with the Lord right now. This lady, you couldn't stop her. We're all going like, wow, the president, we're thinking of like taking a photograph. She marches straight at this, she pushes away through like twenty bodyguards, literally. And she gets in, this is a little, little Pentecost, you know, the ones with the buns and the bundage, I call it. This little lady, she's about this big, and she's this big African Kenyan guy. She goes up, she's looking at him, he's about two foot tall, and she starts preaching. And I don't mean she's like, Jesus loves you. She's like, you know, you're a sinner, and sinner, you need to repent, and my friends and I, we're standing back going, we will go into jail. <laughs> a prison ministry in Kenya, yeah. <laughs> we'll never leave. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're just trying to, like, sh- shudder. Do you know what? It was, the, she said things that were by the Spirit of God to this guy. A week later, this guy publicly gave his life to Jesus. Now maybe the Lord had other people in there. I'm sure he did. But um, it wasn't my fault. Here's the point. When the Holy Spirit moves you, he can give you the words, the right words to any situation, the right keys. And we should, re- we should rely upon him. Come on. To one is given the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge. What's a word of knowledge? God knows everything. God knows absolutely everything in this universe. And, and what, the, what the Holy Spirit can do is give us a word, a little piece of His knowledge that will unlock the door. Hallelujah. I love that gift. It really is a, a fun gift. And I tell you, God can give you a, a, a word that will just unlock the door. I used to know a guy, he's gone to be with the Lord now called Terry Law. Have you heard Terry Law preach? This guy, he was a Canadian. He used to work with Oral Roberts in Oklahoma for a season. But he was really a missionary, and he'd go behind the Iron Curtain in the 70s and 80s. He'd smuggle, the Lord had him smuggling thousands of cassette duplication things to put the Bible in front of Russians. And, you know, amazing guy. And once the KGB arrested him in a church, you know, in Russia, took him downtown, you know, locked him in a cell kind of thing. And after a couple of days, they dragged him into this interrogation cell. They got a light in the face. They're yelling at him in Russian. There's an interpreter. It's intimidating. And he, he said, like, I have no clue. What do I do? You know, in this situation, he just began praying in tongues. And he literally said suddenly, from the inside of him, God begin, give, began giving him words about this Soviet constitution. And he kind of put up his hand up and said, stop. And he said to these guys, "Does Article, you know, forty-seven, paragraph three say that as a tourist I have religious rights?" So like, yeah. And then he'd say, "Does your, does this part of your constitution?" He, he prophesied the Soviet constitution to them, and all of these guys going and uh, nodding. And in the end, he said so he stood up and he said, "Unless you have anything else to say to me, I'm going to leave." And they're like, "Yeah." <laughs> and he said he walked out the room, and had a heart attack outside. No, no, a joking. <laughs> Come on, I tell you, God God knows. And I, I love that gift. I think it's so available to us. And, I, and again, we can't turn it on at will. We can make ourselves available. But I have seen this happen, especially with non-Christians. You know, do you know something? When God gives you one little word about somebody, that can unlock everything in their life. And I've seen that happen time and time again where maybe God will give me a name or some, you know, Jesus went to Nathanael and said, I saw you under a fig tree, and Nathanael's like, you're the Messiah, I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. Just one little word. And I tell you, one word from God can unlock the secrets of somebody's heart. We should be hungry for these things. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I remember once speaking to some, I think it's in France, some young lady who's um, I kind of remember what the situation was. I'm trying to talk to her about Jesus, and she doesn't believe in it. I'm going on and on and on. And suddenly, the Lord gave me the name of three guys, and then the word suicide. And I just said, does this name mean anything to you? And, she, oh. and then I said, what about this name? And I gave the name of three guys. And basically, this young lady had had three boyfriends. They'd all left her, and she was now feeling suicidal. Come on, I tell you, God knows once well, years ago, literally here in Sturbridge, I was I was living in France and I visited this church and was preaching here, and I once went to Stop and Shop near Walmart. You know, Charlton Road there. And I'm walking around Stop and Shop praying, saying, God, give me a word for somebody. I want to prophesy. I want to, you know. And I'm wondering, there's nobody in the store. And in the end, I go to the checkout desk and there's a massive queue. Of, there's only one thing open. And there's a big queue, and it takes about 10 minutes per person. Has anybody ever been in that queue as well? And you know when it's your turn, and then the 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 roll runs out, and the printer, and the thing, and it's funny. I've been wandering around the supermarket saying, "God, use me. I want to serve you." And as soon as I get to the checking desk, I'm muttering under my bush. <laughs> and um, I get to the checkout desk, and uh, this. This young lady behind the desk, she, she said to me something like, how's your day going? And I honestly didn't think. I heard myself say this. Out of my mouth, she said, how's your day going? I said, great. How's your adultery going? <laughs> and I literally heard myself. If God would have told that, I probably never would have said it. I literally, like, how's your adultery going? Now, she could have slapped me, but she she like... She's like, told you. Come on, I want you to follow this really carefully. You know, I began prophesying to her. Listen to the prophecy. Do you know what God's word to her was? I love you. I forgive you. And I began prophesying to her, saying, you're a Christian. You, you walk with the Lord, and you've left him, and you're, you know, you're involved in a relationship that's wrong. This relationship's never going to work. This guy's never going to leave his wife. And God's message to you is grace grace, grace. Not grace to be in an adulterous relationship. Grace, come back to me. God's message to you is you're the prodigal son. And I'm the father on my arms. Come back to me. I love you. Come on, please. If you catch one thing I say today, catch this. The word from God wasn't adultery. That impresses everybody. The word from God was, I love you. Come back. She knew she was having an affair. She didn't need some British guy to tell her that. She knew that. She needed somebody to come and tell her, the Father loves you. But if I hadn't done the first thing, she would have probably looked at that as just some, oh, yeah, you guys believe in God, and I got hurt. In church. She would have had an intellectual conversation about that. Do you get what I'm saying, guys? What, what, what we've got to do is not get impressed with knowing something about somebody. What impresses me is saying to some young lass, God loves you. That's not, he's got a a real relationship for you. That's not, that's not real. That's, that won't last. That will only break your heart. You know, come back and he'll heal you. And he's got, that's, that's what a word from God actually looks like. Come on, let me breeze through these. Number three, the gift of faith to another. What is the gift of faith? I, I look at it this way. We all have natural faith. The Bible says God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. When you become a Christian, God gives you faith. Say, I have faith. Never judge your faith by your feelings. You have faith. Come on, you have faith. Never pray for faith. If we pray really hard, God, give me, give me more faith. You're literally once in my—I think it was in my office in France—I was praying and I said, "Lord, would you increase my faith?" And this Bible fell off my bookshelf onto me. <laughs> it's like I'm the Lord. Give me more faith, and Lord's catch. <laughs> you want more faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If you want more faith, get more word living on the inside of you. But if you want more faith as well, use your faith. Faith doesn't only come by hearing. Faith comes by acting on the word. When you act on the word of God, you activate the word of God. But I tell you, God has a, there's a gift of faith actually which has nothing to do in my mind, with our personal faith. At times, Holy Spirit can come and just give you faith for a situation that's way beyond your faith. And I love it. It doesn't usually last that long. It's usually for a context, for a particular situation. Sometimes you may look at something and you're like, I don't have the faith for this. And I tell you, Holy Spirit can put His faith upon us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus come on, I've had that many times. You know, occasionally, here's what I've learned, at times God will give you that gift of faith, so that you then develop your own faith, so that you then run. Once in India, years ago, I had a, a deaf, a grandma bring a deaf teenager to the front of this crusade, and I'm in the middle of my sermon, this grandma's like shouting, you, you say your God heals, heal my granddaughter now. And suddenly the whole crowd started shouting. We had 3,000 people pushing the stage, yelling at us. And in the end, we brought the grandma and the deaf girl on the stage. And I remember standing there going, and it's like I'm trying to be honest with God, going, I don't know if I've got the faith for this. Like, help. And, and I tell you, God loves it when we say help. Don't, don't pretend. What, what some of us do at times is, oh, amen, I've got all the faith in the world. Really? I don't. I'm still learning, I'm growing, I'm going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And I, I just cried out to the Lord, like, help, and suddenly that, that thing, it suddenly God did something in my heart, and I knew that I knew that I knew that she was going to get healed. And we prayed for her in front of a whole village in India, and uh, at first nothing happened, and I kept putting a mic in front of her saying, say hallelujah, <laughs> nothing, say Jesus. And after about a minute, she spoke and heard for the first time in her life. Do you know what? I didn't go, oh, wasn't that a wonderful episode from the past that once happened? Maybe one day in the future. What I did is I began running with that. I began, I've seen it happen once. I'll see it happen again. But I tell you, God wants to give us at times a gift of faith that will flow through us. Come on, real quick here. Gifts of healings. Say healings. Now, you may not agree... I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm right. I don't believe anybody has the gift of healing that's theirs. That they, if you've got, you tell me you've got the gift of healing, go to the local hospital and empty it. I don't, I don't have a gift of healing. But we've got Holy Spirit in us who can flow gifts, plural, of healings through us. And the gift isn't a gift I own. It's rather, come on, Holy Spirit wants to flow healing through all of us. That's that anointing of healing, and it should be natural and normative to see these things happen. The working of miracles, sometimes people need a healing, sometimes they need a miracle. We all need a miracle at times, don't we? Some of us more than others. (laughs) Come on, I I once had the Lord fill my car with gas when there's no car. I drove for about four hours, five hours with no gas in my car. I look at that as a miracle. My car didn't need healing. Well, maybe it did, but... (laughs) Come on, the gift of prophecy. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, you be a Berean and read it. He says, I want you all to prophesy. The gift of prophecy, all these gifts are for everybody. Now, that doesn't make you a prophet. Don't grow a beard, ladies. I mean, my point is you don't have to, that doesn't make you a prophet, but there's a gift of prophetic life and encouragement that God wants to flow out of everybody. Paul says prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's bringing a now word from God that lifts somebody up and speaks into their situation and encourages them and brings a breath of life and fresh air to them. And it is a powerful gift. We need more of these gifts, not less of these gifts. Come on, to another, the discerning of spirits. Let me say that I have, I think some people think they have the gift of discernment when they really have the gift of criticism. Suspicion, yeah. Have you ever met those people who think they're experts at going around seeing what's wrong with everybody? That's not what that gift is. It says the discerning of spirits. And I think at times God can show us what's happening in the spirit world. I I think at times that can be a gift that shows us what the angelic realm is doing. I think at times it can show us what the demonic realm is doing, what's happening in that realm. And again, it doesn't mean it's yours, you can turn it on whenever you want, but I tell you, God can show us those things. And I think we should learn to pay attention Come on, real quick, have you ever been in a situation, I've been in many of these where somebody's saying something, they're saying all the right words, and yet you've got this feeling in the pit of your stomach, something's wrong here. Hmm. Have you ever tasted some food or tasted maybe some milk or whatever and something isn't quite right? You know, trust those feelings. Most of us have learned that if we eat something and part of us is going, "I don't know uh, oh, there's something here. Put it away. Don't be polite. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of a story of Jesse Duplantis. Can I tell a Jesse story? Okay, So once upon a time, Jesse, Jesse Duplantis, he's preaching in some church in Louisiana, and he, the pastors arranged for him to go and eat lunch with this couple in the church afterwards. And, uh, you know, all the way home, the lady, the husband, didn't come to church. The lady says, my husband's not a Christian, but I'd love you to share Jesus with him. And she says, I cooked this wonderful, I think it was jambalaya, you know, the Cajun dish. Uh, what do you call cravettes? um Prawns, things like that, you know. And uh, she's kind of boasting about this stew, this jambalaya she cooks. And she says, I want you to witness to my husband. They get there. She's sitting down, Jesse sits down, he's shaking hands with this non-Christian husband, and this guy's, you know, not very friendly, and they, the lady comes and serves this big pot of jambalaya, you know, a plate for, the, for this guest speaker, and he tastes this, this uh, stew, this jambalaya. He says it's the most disgusting thing he's ever tasted, <laughs> and he's got this big bowl of it in front of him, and he's trying to think, how little can I eat without offending my hosts here? Can I pretend I'm fasting? And he's like, I'm really hungry. But he takes another, he's like, he just wants to spit it out, it's so bad. And suddenly the non-Christian husband is looking at him with a smile on his face going, how do you like my wife's cooking? (laughs) Now what would you do? (laughs) Now Leah is downstairs preparing soup, so I'm safe here, but no. (laughs) What would you do? Well, it's delicious. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's trying to think, Lord, what do I say? Suddenly the Holy Spirit spoke in the depths of his heart. Said, tell him the truth. And he's like, I'm not telling him the truth. And the Lord's again, tell him the truth. And he put his spoon down. He looked at this, the non-Christian husband. He said, sir, that's the most revolting thing I've ever tasted in my life. Your wife should be shot. <laughs> and I like, That's disgusting. And this man stood up, pushed his bowl back, went over to Jesse Duplantis, looked at him and said, you are a man of God. (laughs) He said, I'm going to come to church this evening. You're the first person who ever spoke the truth at this table. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) I don't know what the moral of that tale is, but it felt good. Come on, the discerning of spirits, Holy Spirit, can show us what's going on in a situation, and at times He won't do that. at times we should—we've just got to listen and use our own intuition. But we should learn to rely on the Lord. Yeah, I, I've had that many times where somebody will come into a church and there's something—there's an agenda that's not God's. I've had people come into a church, you know, with like. Like literally a witch come in, or people like trying to do things, and learn to listen to Holy Spirit in you. Amen. Come on, nearly done with our list here. Discerning. One Corinthians 12:10. To another, the gift of tongues. I love the gift of speaking in tongues. Can I say this? I've never met one person, not one person in my entire life. And I've been in ministry for nearly 40 years. Never met one person who didn't want the gift of tongues who didn't get it. The Apostle Paul, come on, this is in your Bible. One chapter, two chapters later. He says, I want you all to speak in tongues. That's in your Bible. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, now he warns people in the same passage about not abusing that gift. Paul says, don't, don't, don't make it the only gift. Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, if somebody comes to your church and all you ever do is speak in tongues all day long, they're going to go, you're crazy. And Paul's answer to the wrong usage of the gift of tongues is not to say, so don't do this. He's saying, do it correctly. Do it well. Do it to the glory of God. Are there bad examples? There are bad examples of everything. But the answer is not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And that gift of tongues is absolutely precious. I really encourage you to to ask God. You can pick one up today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because the Lord loves to give people that gift. Again, there's so much I could say. There's a public use of that gift of tongues that the gift of interpretation is matched with. But there's also a personal use of it as well. When we pray in tongues, literally our spirit is praying. We're praying the perfect will of God. Paul says that when we prophesy, if I go to Debbie here and prophesy, I'm encouraging her and building her up in her faith. But when you speak in tongues, you encourage yourself. You build yourself up in your faith. How many of you need encouragement sometimes? Come on, for most of us, there are s- several days a week I will get up and go, oh. look in the mirror and go, ah. <laughs> who said <our> man? <laughs> I man? <gotcha>. you. <laughs> Here's the point, we all need encouraging, and it's good to have friends who encourage you, amen, but it's actually good to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. In the little epistle of Jude, the second to last chapter of the Bible, verse 19 and 20, it says, you, beloved, praying in the Holy Spirit, you'll keep yourself in the love of God, and you'll build yourself up in your most holy faith. Isaiah wrote about speaking in tongues in Isaiah 28. You say, how do you know? Because Paul quoted Isaiah and said what Isaiah said 500 years ago was about speaking in tongues. Paul said that. And Isaiah 28 says, with stammering lips and another tongue, I will speak to my people. And the very next verse says, this is the rest. This is the refreshing that I have for you. I love rest and refreshing. Sometimes you need to, God's not against your mind. He says, love the Lord God with all your mind. But at times you need to stop trying to think everything out and just pray in the Holy Spirit. I tell you my experience, we're all made up a little differently, aren't we? I'm a thinker. I'm an analyzer. But how many of you know sometimes your greatest strength can become your greatest weakness? And sometimes we can just think about something too much. And at times it's like the Lord says, cast your care on me and just pray in the Spirit. And I found that a bunch of times where I've got some situation, somebody's trying to kill somebody, and it's, it's like God doesn't want me to work everything out with my noddle, my brain, and it's like I've got to say, Lord, you deal with that, and I'm just going to pray in the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing how when you pray in the Spirit, God's ideas pop up, God's solutions pop up. I tell you, I, I think we should pray in tongues more and more, not less and less. But that doesn't mean you have to be weird. Yeah? You don't need to roam around, stop and shop on a hoverboard. You know, learn to get in your car, put some music on and and pray and worship in the Holy Spirit. Let God flow out of you. That's one of the reasons I believe that that's often the first gift of the Spirit God gives to people because it bypasses our mind and it helps us to get it. There's a flow John Osteen wrote an amazing book years ago called The Flow of the Spirit. He talked about how to move in the spirit. It was not It's like a river that flows. I and mean, You've got to get, catch that flow. And lastly, Paul speaks about the, the gift of the interpretation of tongues. Notice he doesn't say translation, but interpretation. At times, somebody could give a message in tongues, and two or three people could give an interpretation that might seem really different. But if it's from God, it will all point in the same direction. Yeah? I mean, if I were to, there are things I could say in French that if I translated them word for word, they wouldn't make any sense in English. But if I interpreted, if I took the, the meaning behind them, the heart of what they were trying to express, and put it in English, I may use different language, but I'd convey the, convey the heart and the signification of what was actually going on. Come on, let's tie all these ideas together. How can we move more in the gifts of the Spirit? I mean, number one, we should be hungry for them. I encourage you, it's not wrong, it's not a mark of immaturity to want these things in your life. I do this. You know, I'm, I'm a greedy person. <laughs> thank, thank you, Sharon. <laughs> but I'm working on it. <laughs> Fasting helps. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying, though. If I love it when I see somebody who, <clears throat> who's walking in something of the Lord that I'm not walking in. I've learned there's two things you can do. You can get critical. Who do they think they are? Uh, Look at him. Look at her. Uh, What a spiritual heart show, whatever. I'd rather go and say, teach me. I want to learn. How did you do that? As a teenager, I would go to people who were moving and things like word of knowledge. I I was like the annoying two-year-old. Nobody ever told me you can't go to great men of God and pester them with questions. I actually found some of them become really great friends when you do that. Go and say, how do you know? I don't want to, I really want, how practically do you do this? And how do you do this? How do you know if it's God, if it's you? Go and ask questions. My point is when you're hungry, God fills the hungry with good things. He loves it when we get hungry. Again, it's not, can you desire these things to make yourself look good? Yes, you can. The answer to that is worship. The answer to that is giving God the glory not keeping the glory for yourself. But let's be hungry for these things. Come on, number two, real quick, I'm going to give you a few keys to move in these, and we'll, let's close and have some lunch. Number two, realize these gifts work by faith, not by feeling. What most of us want, if we're honest, is we'd love it if we asked God for a gift, and suddenly we'd feel this warm oil pour all over us, and this buzzing, this shaking. And we'd hear a loud voice saying, go and tell Matt, verily, this afternoon, this will happen to him. And can I say, it wouldn't take any faith whatsoever if we did that. And most of the time when God speaks to you, you're going to hear a still, small voice followed by a large, loud doubt. Most of the time when God speaks to me, I'm going to hear a tiny little whisper in my heart, and then Satan's going to come say, no, Graham, don't say that. That's just you. You'll make a fool of yourself. Better to be quiet and safe and not. I've just learned to ignore Satan. Doubt your doubts. Unbelief is the dark room where we develop our negatives. Think about it. Come on, and we need to be a people of faith if we're going to move in these things. And it's faith that comes to the Lord. Do you know, by faith today, we can say, Lord, I'm flowing in these gifts. By faith, all of these gifts are flowing in and flowing through me. By faith, Lord, every day you flow these gifts out of me everywhere I go. This is a normal part of my life. It's who I am. You can confess that by faith based on God's word, not based on your feelings. And I think we've got to learn to start by faith. Sometimes we've got to learn to open our mouth and believe that God will give us the words. Yeah. Come on. Key number three. If you're going to move in the gifts, you've got to be okay taking a risk. John Wimber used to say faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Risk. And any time you move in the spirit, there's a part of your flesh that risks looking stupid, that risks Falling over and making a fool of yourself. Can I say this lovingly? God loves it when we're willing to make a fool of ourselves, when we're sincere in our heart to glorify Him. Can I say, so often, if faith is spelt R-I-S-K, what holds us back is spelt P-R-I-D-E. It's pride that holds, oh, well, I'm, I'm don't you know I'm the minister of the gospel and I don't want to look stupid. And um. I think if the church is going to make God look glorious in the eyes of our generation, we need to be willing at times to make ourselves look stupid. Now, I'm not saying we intentionally do that. I don't ever try to do that. It comes naturally to me. <laughs> Did I just say that? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Come on, you don't need to try. I'm not saying try to look. I'm not saying add foolishness to that. What I'm saying is be willing to, if you're going to move in the spirit, you're going to find yourself in that place where your heart's beating. You're like, God, I think this is you. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to go with what I've got. And I'd rather make a mistake that's an honest mistake, because I love God and I'm willing to set people free then sit back there going, I'm never gonna make a mistake, but I'm never gonna make anything whatsoever. Come on, one last key, and I'm done, I promise you guys. Here's the biggest key I know, love people. Love people. Love people. Yeah. You know, the danger for all of us is we can fall in love with ourselves. And whenever we start talking about my gifts, my anointing, my yuck, Yuck yuck yuck. I tell you, if we will start meeting real people where they are at, where they are, and loving them. And in a way, there's that like a broken-hearted cry within us, Lord. I don't know how to reach this person. I need you to give me something that will break through that crust, the mask, the protection. If we love people, the gifts will flow automatically. We don't need to worry. If we love people, we won't even notice if we look stupid or not. If we love people, faith works by love. These gifts work by love. The goal is not building a supernatural ministry. The goal is just loving people. And when we do that, I've shared that here before. But once years ago in India, right, I met this leper, and I just hugged him for five minutes. And I literally stood there feeling like I've got no faith. I don't know. You know how, do, how do you pray for a le- I don't know. But I could feel the rejection and the pain in this guy. And I'm just, as I hugged him, God healed him. And if we will love, there are lepers all over Sturbridge. I don't mean their ears are falling off, but their hearts are falling apart. And they've been through the mangle of life. Come on, today, if you go out to lunch, don't, the soup. No, today, if you go out for lunch, wherever you go, You're going to see people, and they're going to look cool, latest clothes and latest iPhone, and their hearts are going to be broken. And they need somebody with a word from another world, from heaven, that says, God loves you. Come to me. Thanks, Jesus. Come on, let's pray together, and we'll close this down. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for these supernatural gifts, this toolkit, which you have for every believer. And Lord, I, I'm sure we've all made mistakes and me chief amongst them with these things, but we want to we flow in your gifts, flow in your power. Lord, we are hungry for more of these in our personal lives, more of these in our church gatherings, and more of these everywhere we go every day. Father, we we just set our stake in the ground and say we want to be a supernatural people. We want to walk in your spirit. We want your life to flow in and flow through us. Help us to love this broken, dying world with the love of Jesus, but also the power of Jesus. And Father, we just believe by faith that we can grow and increase. Help us to build a community of risk takers. Help us to build a community where we love people more than our own reputation. And Father, we just believe you to flow through these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Good. Hey, in a moment, we're going to have our prayer team up here at the front. And if, if you've never maybe even had that gift of speaking in tongues, never been filled with the Spirit, if you'd like some prayer and you want more of these gifts in your life, really encourage you to come forward. Our team would love to pray for you for that. Again, there's lunch downstairs in the cafe. Uh, just towards the end and down the stairs, everybody's welcome to stay for lunch. If you need to run, we love you and bless you. Stay warm and safe, and have a wonderful week in Jesus' name. Bless you guys.